Welcome to the Studies in Proverbs podcast, produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. This is taken from a video series you can find on our website, heartcrymissionary.com. HeartCry is a missionary society founded by Paul Washer. The goal of our ministry is to glorify God and bring the greatest possible good to humankind through the preaching of the gospel and the establishment of biblical churches throughout the world. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society. Well, welcome back to our study in the book of Proverbs. Today we are in chapter 4, and we're going to primarily look at verses 15 through 17. But I want to back up a little bit, and I want us to read uh, beginning in verse 10. Now, there's a reason. It's called context. You see, the scripture is like a tapestry, and it's all interwoven. And it's very difficult for us to understand um, a text unless we can see it in its context. That means see the verses around them and understand them as not just different little pieces of information, but as, as a whole. Let me give you an example. Let's say that you see a picture of a man, and that's all you see is, is the man himself. You see nothing in front of him, nothing behind him, just him. And he has a ch- shocked look on his face. Very, very shocked. Now, You can see that the man is shocked, can't you? But you don't know why. Maybe he just walked into a surprise birthday party. That's a possibility. Or maybe he just saw a terrible accident. Or maybe he was walking down a path in the woods and was just confronted by a very large grizzly bear. You have no idea unless you can look around him. It's the same way with the Bible. We can't just take verses out here and there and then put them together like it was some sort of alphabet soup. But we have to look at every verse in the context, let's say, let's simplify it. Every verse in the context of its chapter and every chapter in the context of the the book itself and then the book itself in the context of the rest of the scriptures. Because the scriptures are inspired, they are inerrant, infallible, they are perfect, and they do not contradict. Therefore, if you interpret one scripture one way and another scripture another way, and both of your uh, interpretations contradict one another, we know that you, you're either wrong in one of those or in both of them, because the Bible does not contradict. Now, let's, let's read beginning in verse 10. Hear my son and accept my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have directed you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in upright paths. When you walk, your steps will not be impeded. And if you run, you will not stumble. Take hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Verse 14. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not proceed in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Do not pass by it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they do evil, and they are robbed of sleep unless they make someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for this great opportunity to teach. I thank you, Lord, for the young people who are listening. Dear God, I pray for them that by reading your word, they would see who you are. They would see their great need 
their sin, that they would see Christ as the all-sufficient Savior, that they would recognize, Lord, their absolute dependence on the Holy Spirit and their absolute dependence upon the Word of God for guidance. Oh, dear God, help us not to do anything extravagant in this time, but simply to communicate your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Just a reminder before we begin, remember, I'm not doing this as some intellectual exercise. I'm not doing this so that uh, you'll have something to do uh, in in your homeschooling. I'm doing this because there is nothing more important, nothing more important, whether we recognize it or not, than knowing God and knowing his word. And my desire is not that you just um, are able to say to your mom and dad, uh, yes, I finished, uh, I finished that sermon today. No. Today is not the finishing of a sermon. It's the beginning of learning new things in God's word that we can apply to our life for the rest of our lives. And so please, take this serious. Take it as something that you should not only listen to or view, but something that you should incorporate into your life and actually practice. All right, now, why did we read uh, verses 10, 11, 12, and 13? Here's the reason. We see a wonderful division here in 10 through 13. He's talking about instruction. Okay, so he's talking about grabbing a hold of that which is true and that which is positive. Then when he gets to 15 through 17, he's talking about the things that you must not grab a hold of, but that you should avoid at all costs. Let me give you a very simplistic or simple way of looking at it. Um, God is a righteous God. He truly is. And he loves righteousness. He does. But he also hates unrighteousness. All that contradicts his will. All that is unholy. All that is twisted. And all that brings destruction to his creation. Sin. Now... Um, The Bible was written primarily to show us Christ, our need of salvation and the great and sufficient uh, sacrifice that Jesus Christ made on our behalf. But we can also say this in a way. Uh, The Bible reveals to us what God loves. It also reveals to us the very things that God hates. And he does use that word several times that he hates it. He hates evil. It's an abomination to him. It's something that is repugnant to him, obnoxious to him. And so, in part, we study the Bible in order to know who God is and learn what he loves and learn what he hates. And when we learn those things that God loves, we should run to them with all our heart. We should grab a hold of them and not let them go. And when we learn of things that God hates, that he loathes, sometimes he uses the word abomination. It's an abomination to him. 
When we learn those things, we should not just passively kind of avoid them, but we should actively separate ourselves from them. And not only because um, God commands us to do it, but also because we realize how dangerous sin can be and how susceptible even we as Christians still are to sin. Never forget the example of Cain. Cain was very angry that God had not accepted his sacrifice, but accepted the sacrifice of his brother that was given by faith. And, and God warned Cain. He said, look, your sin is wrong, but if you don't deal with it right now, it's going to become deadly, extremely dangerous. And he likened sin to a wild animal at the door of Cain's tent. And he says, its desire is to have you, to devour you, to control you. And we can see from, from the scriptures that Cain did not take God's admonition seriously. And his anger got a hold of him like a wild beast, transformed him. And look what happened. His anger turned in to the act of murder. If we give in to sin, more and more it will begin to control us. Um, I've used this illustration before. I'm going to use it many times from now. It's like, imagine this is sin and you're saying to yourself, okay, I can get close to it. There's no harm in that. But then what happens? Oh, I can touch it every once in a while. There's no harm in that. Then you say, well, I can hold on to it as long as I want because, well, I have the power to let go of it. But then one day what happens? You grab a hold of sin and sin grabs a hold of you. And now even though you lament, even though you struggle, it has you. It has you. Imagine also, I think I've used this illustration before, but here's a very large man and he has a little sin on a chain and he's holding that sin on a chain. Tiny sin, big man. But if he continues in that relationship, what happens? The man becomes smaller and smaller and smaller, weaker, weaker, weaker. And what happens to the sin? It becomes bigger, 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 and more powerful in his life. And so pretty soon what happens? It's no longer this man has sin on a chain, but sin has this man on a chain. Here's the big sin and here's the little man. Now, so in verses 10 through 13, look what it says. Hear, my son, hear what I'm telling you. Listen to the word of God, which also means obey. He says, accept my sayings, make them yours, make them yours. And then he says, I have directed you. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I've led you in upright paths. Then he says in verse 13, so take hold of it, instruction and do not let go. Guard her. Why? She's your life. So imagine that you're, you know, you're, you're dangling from a mountaintop and there's clouds between you and the earth. And the only thing keeping you from falling and from certain death is you holding on to that rope. 
And you hold on to it with everything you have. And that should be your relationship with the word of God. Now, we could go to another place and I could tell you in the scriptures that God's holding on to those who believe in him. That is true. But that doesn't negate the fact that God also tells us to hold on to his word. As a matter of fact, one of the ways God holds on to us is by teaching us his word so that we will hold on to him. Now, so there's instruction, instruction, instruction. But then we get to verse 14 and he's saying not just take in the positive, but avoid that which is evil. Now, let's say that uh, you have a friend, he comes up to you and he is just dirty, physically dirty, dirt on him, soil in his ears. You could grow potatoes on the top of his head. He's just dirty, 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 full of mud. And you say to him, what are what are you doing? He says, you know, I don't know. I don't know why I'm so dirty because I take a bath 10 times a day. If I don't take a bath, I shower at least 10 times a day. It's a mystery. And he says, could you help me? Could you just observe my life for a while and tell me maybe find the mysterious reason why I'm always dirty, even though I bathe 10 times a day? And so you watch him and uh, you find out that he gets up very early in the morning, takes a bath. But then immediately he goes outside and finds the dirtiest sewer hole he can find, jumps in it, rolls around in it. Then he runs back and takes a shower again. And you see him do this over and over. And what do you say to him in the end of the, at the end of the day? You say to him, look, it doesn't matter how much you bathe yourself if you're going to keep getting yourself dirty. If you're not going to take responsibility and avoid those mud holes and those sewer pits. It's not a mystery. It's just it's not good enough to just take a shower. You also have to avoid those areas that make you dirty. Well, it's the same way with the word of God. I actually have known people who studied the Bible quite a bit, but morally they remained dirty. Why? Because they didn't take this seriously. Maybe it's because they didn't think sin was that dangerous, but mainly it's because of this. They think they're stronger than they are. If there's one thing I've learned now as an old man, I'm not strong at all. And I don't need to take the battlefield and challenge sin to come out and fight me. Whenever I see sin raise its head, it's best just to walk away. Even, as Paul tells Timothy, to flee. To flee. So, after telling him, I've instructed you, he comes to 14 and he says, look, even though you have this instruction, it doesn't mean you can just go and, and walk in fellowship with sin and not be dirtied or soiled. It doesn't mean that you can hang out with ungodly people since you had your quiet time this morning. It doesn't mean that you can now go watch anything on television that's going to corrupt your heart. That's not what it means. Take hold of Scripture, but let go of those things that kind of nullify what you studied in the Scriptures. So, he says... In verse 14, do not enter the path of the wicked and do not proceed in the way of evil men. 
please understand this. Um, here at, at, uh, at the ministry, here at HeartCry, um, I am very, very fortunate to be surrounded by godly men and women who, when I'm around them, it makes me want to be more devoted to Christ. If, if there's any spiritual strength in me or maturity, it's because throughout my life, I've tried to keep myself around people who they made me want to be more than I am. They influenced me for good. Now, let's start where we need to be, begin now in verse 15. He says, avoid it. Do not pass by it. Turn away from it and pass on. You know, this guy sounds like my mom <laughs> when I was a little boy. If it was worth saying once, it was worth saying 20 times, especially if it was a commandment to me because I was pretty hard-headed. Look at the emphasis here. If we combine verse 14 with 15, look what he says. Do not enter the path of the wicked. Said it once. Do not proceed in the way of evil men. Twice. Avoid it. Three times. Do not pass by it. Four times. Turn away from it. Five times. Pass on. Six times. Do you see that? Usually when something is repeated in the Bible, it's because it is extremely important. And just as in, in the earlier part of the text that we read, he kept saying, you know, verse 10, here, accept, you know, um, take hold of instruction, guard instruction. He's saying, look, study, study, um, memorize, meditate, obey, read. Take hold of it. Go over it in your mind until it's ingrained in your heart and it becomes a part of you, these commands of wisdom. But then he goes on, he does the same thing. Now with regard to sin, avoid it, run from it, flee, get out of there, do whatever you have to do, don't get near it. Do you see how both things work together? Boy, we can see here, can't we? The wisdom of God. Now, with regard to verse 15, I wrote here in my notes, there is something better than escaping from the way of the wicked. Avoid it altogether. Avoid it all together. If you're wrestling and someone ties you up in a knot, usually, not always, usually there's a way to get out of it. But as a wrestler, uh, there's a better plan. Avoid it altogether. Be quick on your feet. Know what you need to do. When someone shoots you and tries to get under you and take you down, know what you need to do. Know how to get away from it. Because once they've got you, there's a really good chance you're not getting free. Well, with regard to sin, it's even more so. I hear people say, you know, I'm walking with God. I'm, I'm filled with the Spirit. I'm studying Scripture. I'm not afraid. Then you're a fool. You are a fool if that's your attitude. One of the best ways to defeat sin is to see it coming and avoid it altogether. I've written down here, the Bible does not teach live and learn. That's what you hear all the time. Well, live and learn. Only if you're really foolish and uh, you want to have a lot of bruises. 
The Bible does not teach live and learn, but learn and live. You know, God taught Adam and Eve. He said, don't eat from this tree. You eat from this tree, you're going to die. The devil kind of came in and said the very opposite. You need to experience it for yourself. You need to learn about it, experience it. You see, you got a choice. You can believe God. Or you can say, you know, I'm not really sure he's telling the truth and therefore I'm going to test it. Um, If we could bring everybody back from how many ever thousand years of human history there is, they would all say that's really not a good plan. It doesn't work. We read the book of Judges. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. God said, go this way. They said, well, let's just test and see. You know, one of the greatest ways in which we honor God, if not the greatest, it's to believe him. One of the greatest ways to offend God is to test him. Make sure that he knows what he's talking about. I want to read to you in 1 Thessalonians five nineteen through 22. Paul writes the church and says this. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. Here we, we can say it this way. When the word of God is being preached. Or when you're reading the word of God and correctly interpreting it, when the word of God is correctly expounded. He says, don't quench the spirit, don't offend the spirit. Okay, well, how can we do that? It says, but examine everything carefully, hold fast to that which is good, abstain from every form of evil. When when someone's preaching, And even when we study the Bible ourselves, we need to examine everything carefully. But when we come to the correct interpretation of the Bible with regard to who is God, but especially in this context, with regard to the will of God, and God says, you need to do this, or God says, don't do this, and it conflicts with our personal desires, it conflicts with what we want to do, when we go our own way, Instead of listening to the word of God, we are quenching the spirit. We are grieving the spirit. And it says here, abstain from every form of evil. When you hear something like that, you're thinking of some dark, horrific sin. Every form of evil is anything that contradicts the will of God. And so if if the scriptures Uh, tell you, honor your father and mother. And you go, not today. I don't agree with them. Not today. That is a form of evil. You don't think of it that way. When God tells you to serve and be kind to your brother and sister, and you go, not today, they don't deserve it. That's a form of evil. You have decided your way is right and God's way is wrong. And that, again, is never a wise thing to do. Now, I want to look at one other text. I want us to actually read from there. Look in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 12. And we're going to listen to a person, okay? In this text, we're going to hear from a person 
who decided to, well, he decided he needed to experience things on his own, that God's word was not enough. I, I need to check this out and make sure that God's right. Look what it says, verse 12. And you say, how I have hated instruction and my heart spurned reproof. I have not listened to the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ear to my instructors. I was almost in utter ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. Also, it says in verse 11, and you groan at your final end when your flesh and body are consumed. Here was a person who did what? They hated instruction. Why did they hate it? Because it contradicted what they wanted to do. Uh, I believe it was uh, the, the theologian Sinclair Ferguson who said, men hate God's will because it's not their will. You know, when people come for me to counseling, do you know what I know, young person? Most people come to me for counseling because they're just looking for a counselor who will agree with what they've already decided to do. And if I tell them something contrary from the scripture, usually they'll just go find another counselor and they'll keep looking for counselors until they find someone who agrees with them. That's why people a lot of times jump from church to church to church. Not always, but sometimes. So you need to listen to the word of God. You don't have to experience it if God has already determined it and declared it. Well, I hope this has been helpful. Look forward to seeing you in the next lesson. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Studies in Proverbs podcast produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. Visit heartcrymissionary.com 